All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I'm recording this on the evening before the Denver Nuggets kick off their playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. The play-in games between the Eastern and Western Conference are ongoing right now. Uh, There's a lot at stake for those teams. But for the Nuggets, for the Warriors, it is the night before the playoffs commence for them. They'll be playing Game 1 on ABC on Saturday night. 6.30 tip-off for that one. And if you're a Nuggets fan who's in town in Denver, I want to see you at Blake Street Tavern. I want to see if you're interested in, in hitting up the watch party that we are hosting Denver Stiffs combined with Mile High Sports. Over at Blake Street Tavern, we're going to have giveaways, food and drinks, I'm going to make sure to get up and get around and shake everybody's hand and make sure, hey, we're in a great position where everybody can just celebrate what's going down and, and Denver making the playoffs at this point and being able to just socialize and have a good time. And so I want to be able to celebrate with everybody. So I'm going to be down there, going to have some Denver Stiffs folks down there as well. So make sure to introduce yourselves if you're if you see me around. On this episode, this is going to be a shorter one. We're not going to take too much of your time. I wanted to go over the injury report that dropped today, as well as some rotation things that I wanted to speak about, just because I think there are some things preceding this game that some final touches that everybody should be aware of, everybody should know. Um, And then I want to do kind of like a overarching questions second segments that are, I, I called it existential nuggets questions, but it's not really that serious. It's just... Hey, let's before we get into the teeth of the series, before we get into emotional roller coaster time, let's let's take a let's take stock of where the nuggets are. So, we'll do that second segment, but first segment, let's get into this injury report time. Let's start with Golden State first. Uh they only had two guys on their injury report. You had Stephen Curry, who is now probable to play with his uh with his foot injury. And then you had James Wiseman, who is out. He's still trying to get back from from his long-term injury that's kept him out for the entire season. Uh, looks a little bit weird. Obviously, that's that's going to be somebody that I think Denver would be happy if he were playing, honestly, just because he's an athletic center that Denver can kind of take advantage of because he's so young. And it's not like DeAndre Ayton, who became more of a veteran option last year in the playoffs. James Wiseman is still raw as hell. So the fact that he's not playing is a tough thing for Denver, but for the Nuggets, uh, the only listed players on the injury reports are Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Both of them are listed as out, which is not a surprise in my opinion. I said on Twitter today that until Murray is ready to come back, until he's geared up to come back, then don't expect any designation other than out trying to play the the game of, oh, wow, he's doubtful or he's questionable when he's not actually going to play or close to playing. It's not a good look. And there's just not a, like the gamesmanship of it is just, it's going to get lost on the Warriors who have been through hell. They've been through 10 years of this. They know how these things go. So you're not going to trick them into thinking that Murray isn't coming back. They'll figure it out themselves. So either way, You have Murray and Michael Porter who are out, but you also have three other guys that aren't going to be on the court. 
You have the two two-way contract guys and Davon Reed and Marcus Howard. They are out by default because they are two-way contracts and two-way contracts are not eligible to play in the playoffs this year. And then you have Faku Campazo, who was suspended by the league. He will not be available for game one, which it's probably not the biggest deal for Denver, but them having options is a big deal. And, and would I prefer that it be a, a wing, some some sort of wing defender like a Davon Reed that they had available? Yes, but they don't have that guy. That that player doesn't exist on the roster. So at least not while Davon is on a two-way contract. So look, it's going to be tough for Denver either way, but it looks like they're going to only have 12 players that are available to them. You have Monte Morris, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Nikola Jokic. That is the projected starting lineup, and I don't expect Denver to change that, at least initially. They've got the primary bench of Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, Jamichael Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. My guess of what you'll see is Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, all three of those guys probably staggering with the primary bench unit, and that will just kind of be how that goes. I don't really expect Bryn Forbes to play immediately. I don't expect Zeke Naji to play immediately. And I don't expect Vlatko Chanchar to play immediately. You've got Naji and Vlatko. It's going to be difficult for Michael Malone to trust them to just simply execute the game plan. Just because they've been out for so long. And they are also probably not the right sized players to match up with the Golden State Warriors, a team that is filled with dynamic six foot three to six foot six guards, basically, maybe six foot seven. Najee, Flacco, they're a little bit too big, a little bit too slow. So I, I wouldn't expect them to play that much, at least initially. Like there's a possibility that Jamichael Green maybe doesn't play and then they have Najee in there for him or DeMarcus Cousins, and maybe they have Vlacko in there for DeMarcus Cousins and they go small or something like that. But at least initially, I, I think you can expect a nine-man rotation from Michael Malone. And the real rotation questions come into question when the Warriors kind of decide what they are going to do. I think they are going to be the team that really dictates how the Nuggets respond because the Warriors are the team with a whole bunch of options. The Nuggets don't really have a bunch of options. That is the thing that is going to really define the series, I think. The Warriors have the capability to go big and very physical or small and very quick and agile against the Nuggets. You've got the normal starting lineup that they'll probably deploy of Stephen, uh, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. Looney will guard Jokic. Draymond will be a rover. Uh, you'll probably have Clay Thompson guarding Monte Morris and Andrew Wiggins probably guarding Aaron Gordon. And you'll, then you'll have Steph Curry guarding Will Barton. But you could flip those matchups and that's probably where they will end up with. But the big thing for the Warriors that they've discovered over the course of the second half of the season is that when Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole play together, they're really, really good. And the fact is, is that if you're Denver and you have Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Nikola Jokic out there, one of those guys is going to have to guard Draymond Green one of those guys is going to have to guard Jordan Poole or Klay Thompson or Steph Curry. And that's a tall task for Denver's front court. 
And given those options, you're probably going to see Denver kind of have to adapt pretty quickly. Michael Malone's going to have to pull that trigger pretty quickly if the Warriors decide to go small, because I just don't think that Denver's size is going to keep up with Golden State's speed. They could probably use it as a counterpunch here or there, but over the life of a series, you're probably going to see Austin Rivers play more and more and more. And that's kind of where the offense versus defense conundrum comes into play. Austin Rivers has not been a good offensive player. He's actually been very bad for most of the year. And he's extremely limited. He's a guy that's not going to play a whole bunch. But Jeff Green isn't giving you a bunch of offensive firepower anyway. So there are going to be some offense versus defense things that the Nuggets are going to have to figure out. And not having Davon Reed as another defensive option is pretty annoying. But because of that, Denver may just have to default to going with more offensive lineups. You've got Bones Highland, who is just this massive wild card for Denver right now. You've got Bryn Forbes, who is a noted playoff player, somebody who has been effective for the Spurs and for the Milwaukee Bucks in both of his previous stops. He also had a big game against the Golden State Warriors right before the All-Star break, where he scored 22 points, was a big reason why the Nuggets were in it at the end, and Denver was able to steal that game. But I'm not sure whether Denver can get to the noted defensive lineups that you're going to need in order to check what Golden State does. What does a defensive lineup even look like for Denver? I guess it's probably Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. That's not great. Like I'm, I'm thinking of some of the other guys that Denver could go with, but it just doesn't seem viable, especially if the Warriors go small. You might actually need to have Will Barton out there for your defensive lineup in order to kind of take out Jeff Green, get some more athleticism and switchability in there and small ball nature than what a Jeff Green could provide. Now, if Jeff hits 50% of his threes and can switch on to Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole effectively, then that's a little different. But he is 35 years old, and asking him to do those things seems like a bad idea. And he's also been very up and down throughout the regular season. So I'm a little bit lower on that prospect, but he could surprise. Maybe he helps steal a game. But I do think that you're probably going to need Barton out there, not just for the defense because Barton isn't a great defender, but because of the offense and that if Steph and Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson are out there on the court, and let's say they have Andrew Wiggins at the four and Draymond Green at the five, the middle of the floor is going to be wide open. Like, Jokic is going to drag Draymond Green out of wherever he needs to be rotating. And then your rim protectors are Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. Like, there's definitely some opportunities for Denver to attack the rim, to get into the paint. And I'm very interested to see how Denver attacks that, whether they can leverage some of Golden State's actual weaknesses, or if it's just going to be Golden State really hammering Denver over and over again 
because they have so much firepower. Let's talk about Bones real quick before we hit a break. Um, Bones is the head of the snake for Denver when Jokic is off the court. He, more than Monte Morris, more than Will Barton, more than DeMarcus Cousins, more than anybody, if Bones is not effective, then it's going to be very difficult for the Nuggets to score, for the Nuggets to keep up when Jokic sits. Bones has been so good for the second half of the year that he has so much pressure on him to get the Nuggets into their offense, to be comfortable enough to shoot when he needs to, as well as being a playmaker and setting the table for everybody and doing all the point guard duties. Because the fact is that Denver's their team is just very dependent on a scorer slash playmaker. And Bones has turned into that guy for them. Barton's not really that level of playmaker. Monte's not even that level of playmaker, in my opinion. He does some good things with Jokic and sets the table for him specifically. But Bones has the ability to sort of see the floor, shoot from anywhere, and make things difficult for the opposition. And I think Golden State is going to try to cut the head off of that snake. Whether they use Gary Payton II, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Andre Iguodala, maybe they put Jonathan Kaminga on him, a fellow rookie, somebody who could be just a big body and very athletic that Bones isn't going to be able to shake. Maybe they do that. I doubt they use Jordan Poole. I figured they'd want to just hide Jordan Poole, give him an opportunity to take breaks on the defensive end. But if they go hard at Bones, Bones has to respond. He has to be great. There is no other way for the Nuggets to figure out this series unless Bones delivers. I just don't see another path. He has to be good. And whether that means 20-point games or if it means seven assist kind of games or just limiting the turnovers and making sure that the defense is okay, he's just got a lot of pressure. They're going to attack him. They're going to put him into some some major actions on the, on the other end, trying to take advantage of the fact that he's a rookie. But Denver's going to have to keep playing him because if he sits – Denver may, they might stagger Monte to be the second unit point guard. Are they going to go to Faku? Probably not. Are they going to go to Will as the point guard? Maybe. Austin Rivers? Maybe. It's going to be tough. But the fact is, is that Golden State, they just have so many options versus Denver heading into this series. They have defensive options, offensive options, big options, small options, wings. There are just so many different players that they can go to at any given point. Denver's got their guys. They're limited. They've got 12 players that can play tomorrow. Two of those players are coming off of long-term injuries. The other is Bryn Forbes. Will Denver be able to make it work with the team that they have? I don't know. I don't know that they will. Will they try their damnedest? You better hope so, because they have the capability to steal this series. There's no doubt in my mind that if Jokic is good enough, they can win. But it just means everybody has to do their job. Everybody has to step up too. 
And it's got to be a team effort. Can't just be one guy. Stick break. When we come back, we are going to get into some of these existential big nuggets questions. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support as this program continues to grow. Uh, if you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars wherever you get it. That would be fantastic. All right, let's do the final segment. Final segment before the playoffs begin. I want to cover just a, a short list of, actually, it's a relatively long list, but I'm going to go through it quickly. Existential Nuggets questions. Uh, these are things that haven't happened yet. These are things that are like, okay, what is Denver's place within this NVA sphere, the sphere? Like, are they the team of destiny? Are they the team that is meant to go far? My first instinct is no. And I look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, who just lost tonight to the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks just messed around for so long. They were not good this year, and they ultimately figured it out post-All-Star break and made things work, but the Cavs were third in the entire East in the standings at the All-Star break, and things just fell apart for them. They couldn't do a damn thing, and it was a problem. It was a big, big problem, and it was just something that it wasn't their year. Clearly wasn't their year. Jared Allen goes down with an injury. Evan Mobley rolls an ankle. Obviously, they had Colin Sexton tear his, uh, I think it was his ACL at the beginning of the year. Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. That is a team that looked really good for a long time, and it just did not happen for circumstances that were completely out of their control. And I think the Nuggets fans should feel very similar here. When Jamal Murray tore his ACL on April 12th of 2021, it was a gunshot. It was just absolutely awful. Um, and it was heard around the world because where Denver was within their within the pecking order of the league, they were broaching the top. They were absolutely on that on the very precipice of what teams could accomplish that year. And ACL injuries are 12-month injuries, and we are 12 months out after Murray sustained his. But the fact is that players aren't even themselves after ACL injuries until like 18 months after. You got to give like another six months or a year post-recovery in order for the player to be the best that they can be once again. That's always what happens every single time. You look at Zach Levine. You look at Clay Thompson. You look at all these players. Like Daniel Gallinari was another one for Nuggets fans. Like he wasn't good when he came back. It took him a long time to get to where he needed to go. And he got there and he figured it out. He made himself valuable to the rest of the league too. But it took a long, long time. And. It's just tough. It was a really, really bad timing for Denver. So when I think about what actually happens for Denver if they lose, 
I don't think it's a lot. I don't think that overreacting is the right call. I think that if you think of Denver as a fully healthy team, with Jokic, with Murray, with MPJ, with Aaron Gordon as the fourth option, Will Barton as the fifth option, and then you have options beyond there. Like you've got your offensive guys with Monte Morris and Bones Highland in the backcourt. You've got Austin Rivers as your defensive guy. Maybe you trade for another defensive guy at some point on the wing, and things just happen, and you just make it work. It wasn't like that this year, and that's okay. I think the emotions, if Denver loses, are going to be along the lines of, man, this was a cursed year. This was a really, really awful year. But what happens if Denver wins? What happens in, given that everybody is picking against the Nuggets, given that the Nuggets at this point are a massive underdog within this series, that I looked at ESPN's predictions, the only one picking Denver in this series was Dave McMenamin, which I don't know if that was serious or not, but 19 to 1 in favor of the Warriors in terms of who was picking who. And it doesn't really surprise me that people are picking that way. But what if Denver rises above that? What if they are able to get through the perimeter attack that is the Warriors and Jokic is just so unstoppable that they don't have an answer for him? And then Denver finds enough of an answer on the perimeter or the Warriors miss enough shots that Denver's able to stay with it. What will the emotions be like in that situation? I think that everybody, given that Murray has been out, given that Porter has been out, it would be immediately a successful season if Denver just gets past the Warriors. If they don't get past the Warriors, I think everybody understands that the Warriors are a title contender. They're absolutely one of those teams that has their sights set on a big goal. And they're basically healthy heading into this thing. They're not quite healthy, but they're really, really damn close. So, I don't know whether that should change, whether Denver's season was a success or failure over the course of these next two weeks. I think it's tough to think about that. I think if Denver doesn't get over the top in this first round, then it probably shouldn't come back to like, oh man, it was Michael Malone's fault, or it was Will Barton's fault, or it's Aaron Gordon's fault, or it was Nikola Jokic's fault. No, no, nobody, nobody should think that. Because it's just such an unfair place for everybody to be in this situation. At least that's how I think of it. I don't think that this should be a defining moment for the Nuggets franchise this year. This is a purgatory year. You don't get to find while in purgatory. That's not who this team is. You got to wait until you get out of purgatory to see which direction you're going to go. And the Nuggets could go both directions. There's no telling that they are going to be an immediate success when those guys get back. Like, And that's one of the reasons why if I were the Nuggets, I would be proactive in the offseason because you kind of see some of the gaps that are forming within the roster. 
but you don't just define it this season as a failure just because those guys got injured and they couldn't come back in time. No, that's not how this works. But I do think it all comes back to Murray and Porter, right? Like, if those guys are healthy, then your expectations are different. And it sucks because it's painful that Denver's been put in such a tough position with these guys that they're asking them, well not maybe they're not asking them to come back, and that's really the thing here. They've left the door open, at least on Murray. I think with Porter, they're holding him out. That's my personal opinion. This is not sourced. But I do think that given the back injury and given the setback, I do not think that the Nuggets see it as worth it to bring him back given what just happened and given what their actual expectations are. That's my opinion on this. It could be wrong. But I do think that they're leaving the door open for Murray to come back. And if he does, and if he plays well, then that'll be awesome. But let me put this into perspective. Jamal Murray has another three years on his contract after this year. You've got 22-23, 23-24, and 24-25. Michael Porter has another five years on his contract. You've got those three years, you've got 25-26, and you've got a partial guarantee in 26 and 27. Jokic is going into the last year of his deal. As long as he is willing to sign the Supermax, which, if Denver offered it, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't accept it. Denver's got a little bit of a runway here. They just gave Michael Malone an extension. They have Bones Highland. They signed Aaron Gordon. They have the flexibility in the offseason to really make some moves and make some headway. This isn't the end if they don't get through the playoffs this year. Denver's still got a little bit of a runway. They've still got a little bit of time. So putting it on this year, despite the fact that it feels like a really awful thing and that ending the season with a first-round exit feels very wasteful, I understand. I also know that it's unfair to Jokic to ask him to carry everything. And though he has done it and done it reasonably well, actually as well as anybody has ever done it, let's be honest, don't you think it would be better for the entire team if he was able to enter a postseason healthy, fresh, ready to go, fully reserved, like has the rest built up over the course of a season where he's been able to take some days off, where he hasn't had to shoot 20 times as often as he has, and he doesn't have to touch the ball 100 times every game. That would be great. That's the hope for next year. That's the hope for going forward. So that Murray and Porter, as they get back and they work their way back into things, they could take some pressure off of him. And then hopefully as Bones Highland continues to develop and Monte Morris sticks around, then maybe there are some other guys that can also continue to take pressure off. That would be great. But I do want to bring up one thing before we go. I had some people in my comments when I posted about the injury report today, they were basically saying Jamal Murray is soft for not wanting to come back and for being hesitant, for being a little scared. 
And I've heard some similar sentiments around media. That maybe he's just a little bit nervous about coming back. And that Denver wants him to come back. But that he's just not ready. And he, it's, it's mental with him. And for all we know, it might be. But Murray put on and put his heart and soul into the Nuggets organization, into the bubble. He wore his heart on his sleeve and was just absolutely massive for the entire organization in an awful circumstance coming back from COVID where he had to be great in order for the Nuggets to just get by. And he was, kind of like what Jokic has been doing this year. Murray elevated to a whole nother level. And I think a lot of people have forgotten what that meant, just person to person, for what the Nuggets had to deal with, because not everybody dealt with it well. Will Barton bailed on the bubble. And I don't think that was well met by a whole bunch of people there. Murray stuck it out. Even Porter stuck it out. He was having some troubles. Didn't know how to necessarily deal with some stuff. But he still figured it out. Murray gave his heart and soul. Covered up for Jokic in a tough matchup against Utah. Helped them win multiple games against the Clippers. He also helped win game three against the Lakers. He had like 28 points and 12 assists. Something like that. And he was well on his way to doing the same thing in last year's playoffs before the ACL tear. And he would have been doing the same thing in these playoffs. Let's say he tears the ACL last year on March 15th. I think he would have been back by like March 15th of this year, had a full month of warm-up, in the regular season, and then getting ready for the playoffs. I think the timing was just unfortunate, and not being able to play regular season games has been really, really affecting his decision. That's my personal opinion. I'm not here to source anything. It's just what I think is going on. Had he been able to play in regular season games and felt good enough to play in regular season games, then we probably see him in the playoffs this year. The timing was just so delicate and so bad that it's putting Denver into this tough position. Now, maybe he comes back in game three, and maybe he's waiting to not have to debut in Chase Center where he literally tore the ACL. Because I can't imagine what the the mental fatigue it would take and the mental just gymnastics that it would take to not think about that moment when you're running along that baseline or going right under the stanchion where he tore it. How awful does that sound? It sounds traumatic to me. So maybe he's waiting until game three to debut in ball arena. Maybe he's not going to play at all. But here's the thing. If Murray and or Porter play in these playoffs, cheer them on, cheer them on really hard, because this is just an impossible task to try to come back in the most intense basketball 
against one of the most difficult teams to guard, where you have to be perfect, you have to be highly high energy. Like think about how difficult it's going to be for Austin Rivers running around. Imagine Jamal Murray coming back or Michael Porter coming back. Good Lord. It's going to be tough if it happens. If it doesn't happen, and if they miss the playoffs, I would still like people to cheer them on. And that they're not they're not abandoning their team in this case because they're not ready to go. There's no problem with waiting it out when you've got your entire career ahead of you. Ask Clay Thompson what happens if you come back too early. Ask DeMarcus Cousins what happens if you come back too early. What happens? You might lose a whole nother year. A whole nother year of rehab. A whole nother year of pain and suffering and regret. So I hope that Nuggets fans can respect that. That if it is Murray's decision to respect it and be okay with it. Because when he does come back, he will give his heart and soul to the team once again. There is no doubt in my mind that once he feels comfortable, he will go 112% just like he normally does. So, let's see if Nikola Jokic can pull a rabbit out of his hat. Let's see if the Nuggets' interior banging style their cutting style, if they can match up with the death lineup Warriors where they are spacing everybody out, nobody seems to think that Denver can do it. Nobody seems to think that the Nuggets are capable because they're missing those guys. But even so, this would be a tough matchup no matter what. So, my hope is that the Nuggets can figure it out. And if they do, What a story that would be. And what a positive way for the season to finish if they're able to turn the tables on everybody everybody that is picking this to be a Warriors easy series. And there are a lot of people that are picking that. There are a lot of people that are picking against the best player in the world. Let's see if he can prove them wrong. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be at the watch party on Saturday night. Make sure to come say hello if you do. I will also have a podcast up on Saturday night post-game, making sure to cover everything as I see it at the game. We'll do my best to watch and, and re-watch while I'm at home too, so it's going to be a late podcast posting. Don't get me wrong. I hope everybody enjoys it. hope everybody figure this out. Hope to see you all there at Blake Street Tavern. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you guys tomorrow.